I continue to find some humor in the way in which Solomon deals with issues of life. And this one, as was read this morning, is no different. Uh, it, it seems that he is going all over the place with thoughts, and uh, he moves from this to that, and then he comes back to this again. And I trust that as the Spirit leads us this morning, we will be able to, to gain insight into what this man is talking about, and it will benefit our lives for having heard it. And so, Father, your word has been read, and now it is being exposited upon. We know, Father, that apart from the Holy Spirit, we are wasting our time. So may your Spirit give to us the insight, the understanding, and, Father, the energy to obey what is said in Jesus' name. Amen. It is said that Winston Churchill had a vocabulary, a vocabulary of 80,000 words. And he knew how to use them in context. One of my favorite stories of Churchill, and I think it was Lady Chatterley who was at a ball with Winston Churchill and said to Churchill, Mr. Churchill, you are drunk. And Churchill said, Lady Chatterley, you're ugly and tomorrow I'll be sober. <laughs> In the British Parliament, one of the parliamentarians got up and said, Mr. Speaker, I think that half the members of this house are fools. The Speaker rebuked him and said, The gentleman will realize that such language is not acceptable in this chamber. Will you please refrain from using such? And he stood up and said, I apologize, Mr. Speaker. Half the members of this chamber are not fools. Neuropsychologist Brizendina, and this is a woman who said this, I want you to know, said that women use 20,000 words a day, while men use 7,000. Another study showed that women use 8,800 words a day, while men use 6,000 words a day. Now, I don't know who's right, but what I do know is true that we talk a lot. We talk whether it is right to talk or whether it is not right to talk, but one of the most beautiful things that God has given you and me to use is language, to be able to put words together that make sentence that that, that, that makes paragraphs and then communicates something. Solomon is struggling because he wants to contrast the conversation or the talking of the wise with the foolish. Dr. David Tripp says this, listen to talking today. It goes on in our homes. How important how much of it is 
impatient and unkind talk. How often words are spoken out of selfishness and personal desire. How easily do outbursts of anger occur. How often do we bring up past wrongs. How do we fail to communicate hope? How do we fail to protect? How often do our words carry threats that we have had it and are about to quit? Stop, says Dr. Tripp. Listen, and you will see how much we need to hold our talk to this standard of love and how often the truth we profess to speak has been distorted by sin. We talk, but how do we talk? What do we say when we talk? I want to suggest to you, if I put a thesis before I, I, I bring the, the, the title of the message, Don't Waste Your Words, is, is that once you have been walking with Christ, something should happen to your talk. Something should happen to the way we say it. Something should happen as to why we say it. And this is what contrasts us with our talking, our conversation that we have in the world, at the workplace, wherever we may be. Solomon, again, is looking at life and he's learning from the mistakes as well as the success of others. And he comes to this place now where he wants to show that there is a contrast, that it is possible to use words wisely, that we don't need to waste our words. He begins for us in verse 12 of chapter 10. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consumes him, or the King James says, destroys him. Let's look at the first part of that verse. The contrast in speaking. The words of the wise are the words from the mouth of the wise. The communication of the wise are gracious. Are gracious. What is the wise man here? The wise man is the man who is skilled in the proper use of words. Uh, there's a very interesting passage of scripture in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. It says, answer a fool according to his folly. The next verse says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Do we know when to speak? And when we speak, do we say what we should be saying? Someone has said, wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they want to say something. <laughs> and my friends, I'm suggesting something to you. That somehow we have failed as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, to, to exude from ourselves the kind of behavior in words as it was with Jesus. Jesus is the model he is the perfect example for us when it comes to conversation. Luke 4.22 says this of Jesus. And all the people spoke well of him 
and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And all the people marveled at him. They were marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. In John 7, 46, when the enemies of Christ were sent to arrest him, they came back without Christ, and the leaders said to them, didn't you bring him? And listen to what they said in John 7, 46. Never a man spoke like this man. His words were gracious. There was something about the use of words by Jesus that actually brought healing to those who heard. Either they got upset at what he said, or they were actually invited to know God by what he said. Proverbs 22.11 says this, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. So the model, we learn to speak by our communion with Jesus. The king, King Jesus, becomes our friend And we learn to speak as we listen to him speak, as we read the scriptures, as we meditate upon the scriptures. Before too long, we are beginning to speak his language. And I'm not talking about the the King James translation, thee and thou. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, my friends, that our words become gracious, as we shall see in a few minutes, because we want to ask ourselves, what does this word gracious mean? What does it mean? What I'm talking about now is that Jesus becomes the model for talking. He's the model for our conversation. We think before we speak, is is this the language of Jesus? Is this how Jesus would speak? Because if I don't find it in this book, I don't want to practice it. And so I ask the question very briefly. What portion of your time is spent in communion with Jesus? What portion of your time is spent in learning more about Jesus? In watching his movements? In listening to his his conversation with his father, with others? Never a man spoke like this man. He spoke with gracious words. He's the model. But what's the manner? What was the manner of his speaking? His words were gracious. Colossians 4, 6 says this, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech always, there is never a time that the Christian needs to be ugly with his or her words. Seasoned with salt, I, I, I humorously, I never thought about this when I was preparing. Uh, you'll get sick and tired about hearing about my new diet. Now, but this past week, each week I get a new sheet. And this past week, one of the things that they had to, I had to eat is cucumbers. 
And I had the first piece and I thought, this is poison. <laughs> so I, I took salt and pepper and I covered that baby. Oh, I tell you, I couldn't get rid of it. The next time I said to Lois, I don't want that stuff. I, so that's, I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to tell my coach when she asks. But see, salt is supposed to give flavor. Salt is supposed to make the food tasty, inviting. Are your words the kind of words that make others feel good? You know what the word grace means? It's a very interesting word. Because it means to speak with kindness that ministers to the hearers. It means to so speak that people are rescued from their doubts, from their fears, from their anger. I speak in such a way that I, when I speak, I know that, that it will be a speech that will honor God, as we shall see later on. Listen, listen to Proverbs 15, 28. The wise man ponders how to answer. The wise man ponders how how to answer. That is, he thinks, he considers what he's about to say. I, I said to Carl this past week that I had to put a new battery in my vehicle. I said, I have the rest of the store for Sunday. This one I did leave for Sunday. I bought a new battery two years ago, and ever since I got that battery, every time I take my vehicle back to get the oil change, which I do on a very regular basis, they keep telling me that my battery is weak and it's showing some signs of weakness. And I said, how could it be showing signs of weakness? I just bought this thing two years ago. So this last time I took it in again and sure enough, the same story. So I thought, I don't know. He said, I said, I bought this battery two years ago right from this very place. And the guy said, well, let me look. And he looked through his machine. He said, I don't see any place that you purchased a, a battery. I said, okay. Go ahead and put a new one in it. But I kept looking, and sure enough, I found my bill paid in full. <laughs> so I drive, drove over to the place. I said, I found the bill. Here it is. February 3, 2012. New battery replaced. Da-da-da-da. Oh, he said, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. So he said, just a minute. So he called the place. Now here's the story where, where this ponders how to speak. Whatever conversation was going back and forth, I couldn't hear. But he said, now with this battery, he bought it 2012. Is it prorated that you charge him According, and when I heard him saying charge, my blood boiled. I thought, you are not going to get a... Oh, I, immediately this verse came to my mind. The wise man ponders how he's going to answer. If, if I say the wrong thing, this man will be embarrassed that I'm a Christian. So I, I, I stopped immediately, and I thought of Abraham in Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. Lot and Abraham, the two rich people of that part of the world, their herdsmen have, had a conflict. And they were, they were at each other getting ready 
to eat each other up. Abraham, the elder, the righteous, the chosen of God, Abraham said to Lot, Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left, I'll take the right. Then I will go to the right. If you take the right, then I will go to the left. And Abraham said to to, to Lot, Let there be no strife between us. The righteous ponders how he or she is going to answer. Friends, I want to suggest something to you. That there are times when God allows rotten words and experience to come to you to bring out what is inside of you. What is inside of me. Let me tell you what wise words will do. Words, wise, wise words are inviting. It welcomes the weaknesses of others. Proverbs 15, 26. Pleasant words are pure. They do not have anything that is selfishly hidden in what I am saying. Pleasant words are pure. Wise words are healing. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You know, when I was a boy, a young chap, I remember running in the schoolyard. Sometimes when I had a conflict with another student, we say, sticks and stones can break my bones, but naughty words will never hurt me. My friends, that's not true. A broken bone can be healed, but I'm going to tell you, a spirit that has been wounded is not easily healed. And sometimes we can say words that go deep into the individual. Husband to wife, wife to husband, parents to children, children to parents, whatever it may be. And the wounds are there for a long, long time before the healing takes place by the grace of God, if ever. Wise words are healing words. Wise words are uplifting words. Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable to you. Before I speak, I consult with God. Are these words appropriate? Are these words the words to be spoken at this time? Let the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, O God. So I lift my heart so that my mouth will speak words that are pleasing to God. The wise man's language, the conversation he has, is there are gracious, they are gracious words. But the foolish man, here's a contrast, the foolish man. I remind you again that the foolish man is not a a stupid man. It's not an uneducated man. It it is not a man that is lacking with sense. This is a wise fool. It is the wise fool who ignores God, who ignores truth. 
who has contempt for the truth, who adjusts the truth so that it, 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 it meets with his own folly. Fools have no concern for the use of their words. They just spew it out. I was reading this morning from Proverbs 10, 19. Proverbs 10, 19, as, as I read, was quite amazing. I thought, I can't believe this. Listen to what it says. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. The fool just spews them out, spews them out. And then later on, they'll say, I didn't mean that. And old Indian Proverbs goes something like this. You cannot cut the nose of a person off and then give them a rose to smell. The fool. Two weeks ago, a young man was traveling from Toronto to Miami. And he got so angry on the plane, so angry. No one could tell him anything. And he stood up in the plane and he said, I feel like blowing up this plane. On the plane, he said that. The next move was two U.S. Air Force jets beside that plane, returning it to Toronto. And I watched the whole thing on the news. The soldiers surrounded the plane. They opened the door together and they marched into that plane. Heads down and he hands up. Heads down. And the, 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 the guns pointing all across the plane. Because one fool did not mark his words. Think, my friends, I can tell you of congregations where congregations have been split because of the language of people. Fools do not care about their words. They just, they just give them out. There are many ways that words can destroy. This is what it says. The words of a fool consumes him. It destroys him. It poisons him. Sometimes a fool says something that gets him into trouble. His rash words make someone else angry. And that person destroys him. Sometimes a fool say things that ruins a, a relationship. Carelessly revealing something that should be better left unsaid. I've thought of that. Have you ever said to someone, I shouldn't be saying this? <laughs> My friends, and if you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Should be left unsaid. But once it is said, the damage is done. I never forget a story I heard in college. Someone had told a lie about another person and realized it was a lie and went back to apologize, which the apology was accepted. But the person said, I want to show you something. They took a pillow, ripped the pillow apart, went on the, 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 uh, the uh, outside, and threw the feathers all over and the person said, now, would you please go and pick up all those feathers? The person said, I can't do that. I don't even know where some of the, the feathers went. He said, that's what a rumor does. It goes in places you don't even know. We shall see this in a few minutes. There are thousands of ways for foolish words to destroy, 
when they are uttered by a fool. So he goes on then. He moves from the words that we speak as to why we speak them, if you please, in Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes 10.20. In the middle, from verses 13, you can go on to see some other things still, talking about the same thing as I have talked about. But he goes to, 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 to verse 20. And now he's going to put our conversation, our talking, in context. And I, I spent a lot of time on this. Because what he says to, 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 to you and to me is that we should be very cautious even in our private conversations. Listen to the text, verse 20. Furthermore, in your bedchambers do not curse the king. (laughs) Politician. He's looking at how we respond to leaders, to to those who have control over our lives. What do we say in private to them? Our private conversation. He gives advice as to how to use words in these four areas, because that word thought, as the King James says, in your private thoughts is literally in secret, in places where you feel it will be safe to say so. You don't curse the king. You don't wish him evil before someone else. Number one, you watch your language in the home with the family. You watch your language in the home with your family. What do our children hear us speak of when they hear you, when they hear me speaking of the church family? What do they know of the weakness of some other Christian because they heard it around the dinner table. Be careful, says the writer, even your private thoughts. You're not to curse others. Then he goes from the family setting, he goes to the private setting, in the bedroom, the bedchambers, So the children are not there. Visitors are not there. It's just just Lois and me. What does she hear from my lips that cause her to have questions about any of you in this congregation? My practice, my friends, my practice is Even when there are difficulties, I do not discuss them with my wife because she doesn't have the information I do. And I might give her information that causes her to think evil of someone that I am not thinking. (laughs) See, because if if you touch touch the wife or the husband, (laughs) touching the apple of the eye, and you will want to defend that person, So Solomon said, be careful of your language in the bedroom. Make sure that what you say there will not castigate 
I put a dark shadow over anyone's life. Third, in the presence of close friends. In the presence of close friends. See, the bed chambers really deal with privacy. There are some friends that I share things with that I will not share with other friends. The friends are reduced. Have you ever thought of the fact that when Jesus said that the disciples was going to betray him, he knew who it was from the beginning and at the end, the rest of the disciples still didn't know. So that Jesus never discussed Judas with the rest of the disciples. But oh, friends, have you ever seen some of those tapes of the past presidents that are made available 20 years after? Their language? I, I found out that, that Mr. Nixon hated Pierre Trudeau, who was my prime minister when I was, was there. And he never, he never had anything good to say about him. But when they met in public, they shook hands and smiled. Oh, the deceit of that. Let, let, someone said, when you preach like this, you're not preaching, you're meddling. But friends, is there anyone that you shake hands with that you wish ill for in this congregation? We're going to be honest. Because it will hamper the whole ministry, you see. If there's a weakness in the chain, the chain is weak. And so we must be careful that when we speak about one another in this congregation, we're speaking in a way, let the words of my mouth be acceptable to you. Thirdly, from the family to the bedroom to the close friends. But listen, in my thoughts, in my thoughts, <laughs> you know, I, I'm saying this. Uh, you know, I, where, where was that? I... I this is where the, the worst of me usually comes out, is driving I-5. And, and the worst part of it is when they come and put their front bumper almost at the back of my trunk. It just, it just irritates me. And, and the only thing I can think about is a flat tire. Not for me. Or that I get up there and I see them standing, the police standing beside their cars. And I want to, <laughs> I want to drive by them. <laughs> I do, I think that. That's terrible. That's, that's my thoughts. <laughs> what are your thoughts? about your spouse, about your children, about your neighbor, about the people you work with, with the people you meet in the stores. What are your thoughts? He who loves purity of heart is because the king is his friend. The king is his friend. When Jesus saw the multitudes out of control, he didn't say these dumb people. You know what he said? He was moved with compassion. Caution, cautious speaking. 
None of these, in none of these places are we to curse others. Then he takes it more clearly, especially for us today. We should never curse the king or the politician. And, and friends, wouldn't we like to do that today? And I want to be careful. I'm not talking about politics here at all. I'm talking about how we respond to politicians. And I am struggling right now, as you know, with some of the things that are going on. And I must ask myself whether I will take the scriptures. Exodus 22, 28 says, Do not speak in secret against your leader. Politicians. Do not speak in secret against the powerful, the rich. I know how he made his money. <laughs> I've heard things about, about this person. And so whenever we hear the name of one family in the United States, we usually think of how his father made money. <laughs> and we have nothing good to say about them private conversation. How do we deal with those? Please listen to Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, sisters, whatever thing is true, whatever thing is honorable, whatever thing is just, whatever thing is pure, whatever thing is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think on these things and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will speak. I was, I was watching a program this past uh, Wednesday night, Lois and I were watching a, a, the Catholic station in fact and on that station they were they were uh, interviewing a very well-known evangelical leader. And I just, I, you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't want to watch TV with me. I'm the worst TV watchers in the world. Because as soon as commercials come on, I go to another station. And I always wonder sometimes, you know, if my wife walks in one of these days and might see something and say, oh, is Winston watching this? Well, it might have been I was turning the station at the time, but it's not that I was watching that. But so, that... that sometimes comes to my mind because I switch all the time, switch all the time. Even when I'm watching Flintstones <laughs> and the commercials come on, I, I switch. I just don't. So I was switching and I came across this well-known face on the Catholic station. And I thought, what? So, <laughs> I thought, I've got to listen to this. And Lois came in, saw me watching this, and she said, I didn't think you would watch this. I said, I, I'm interested in what's going on. And, and this well-known leader said some th stuff that really bothered me, really bothered me. For example, he said, um, as we're thinking about our Pope, our Pope, uh, Francis is not my Pope. And as I was sitting down there watching fuming inside. 
it is as if God said to me, watch your language. Don't say anything to your wife right now that will flavor her attitude toward this man. See, I, I, wanted, I had it in my thoughts, and I had to get rid of them. Let the words of my mouth, let my thoughts, whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are of good report, whatever I speak in secret must be capable of coming out of the closet into the public and bring healing to those who hear it. Why? Quickly, the publication of our conversation. Frightening verse here. End verse 20. Furthermore, in your bedchambers do not curse the king, or a king, and in your sleeping room do not curse the rich man. Why? Because a bird of the heavens, this is not, by the way, this is not something having to do with there are birds in our rooms, okay? Tell you what it means in a minute. Will carry the sound and the winged creature will make the matter known. What it is saying, my friends, is that whatever judgment we pass in secret will be the judgment that comes to you and to me. Jesus said it in Luke 12. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and whatever you have you have. Uh, whispered, whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetop so that there will come a time, my friends, when what we have said will come back to us. The, our very conscience will bring it back. Circumstances will bring it back. In a, in a unique way, we will be reminded of what has happened to us. And the one reason we don't want to speak ill of others is because the judgment of ill, the disease we place upon another's behavior will be the disease that will be placed on ours. We'll deal with that more and we get to chapter 11. Let me close with this story. One of the men who has influenced my life greatly is Dr. James Stewart, godly man from Edinburgh, Scotland. I love everything that James Stewart writes. I have just about every book he has written in my library at home. But it's not because of how many books or his, his brilliant mind that has fascinated me. It is his humility. He's a humble man. One day he took his wife to a, um, a banquet that was honoring him. And he wanted to drop his wife off at the, at the door. And the fellow came up and said, you can't park there. He said, I'm very sorry, sir. And he went on. Little did that fellow realize that it was James Stewart who was supposed to be honored that evening. <laughs> but he never made it known. Listen to this. This happened in the chambers where he was a professor at the University of Edinburgh. There was a conference among the teachers and the leaders and this one man talks of James Stewart the inner saintliness 
and the divine sensitivity of James Stewart's life and thought which, with which we, his academic colleagues, felt as much in the Senate room as, in the, as the student felt in the classroom. I will never forget particularly the day when, after some bitter words by one of our colleagues in criticism of another, we looked over at Dr. Stewart and we saw the tears falling down his cheeks. The silent, gentle, but powerful rebuke of a saintly man of God. The next time, friends, the next time someone comes to you or to me and say, I don't know if I should be saying this, say, let's pray about it before you say it. Let us talk to God first and allow God to make me wise so that not only what I'm going to say will be said, but how I have said it, it will be said. Let's pray. Father, none of us escapes this word this morning. None of us, including myself. And this is no rebuke. This is God's word. This is a revelation. This is a message. So God wants us to hear this word today. Help us to respond to it with the prayer that we find in our song this morning. More about Jesus. Let me learn so that we will speak like he did. And I pray this in his name.